Hi everyone, welcome to my podcast where we talk all things that are most dear to the heart. I'm Bobby Houston, co-senior pastor of Hillsong Church and founder of the Color Sisterhood. I'm passionate about seeing all people find Jesus as Saviour and gain a revelation of their value in Him and then rise up to make a stand for justice in the earth. This is a place that you'll hear from me, the Color Sisterhood team and some of our beloved friends. To find out more and stay up to date, please visit bobbyhouston.com and connect with me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. What a joy and a privilege to be here with you all. You may all have a seat. I bring the warmest greetings from across the other side of the planet, from my crazy family. Have we got a picture of our family somewhere up here? There we are. We have... um, my good farmer husband, and we have our seven kids, four boys and three girls. We are pig farmers on the other side of the planet. Um, We had six biological kids across 10 years. It was wild and willing and crazy. And I believe the joy of the Lord is our strength, amen. And if you lose your joy, what do you lose? Your strength. So I picked up a pen and I wrote down 1,000 gifts, a 1,000 things I was grateful for because I believe that pen was my fight for joy, my sword for joy, because joy is a function of gratitude. And if you change your perspective, there is always, always, always something to be thankful for. And after I counted 1,000 gifts, I realized we've been given so much. How could we not be the gift and pass those gifts on out into the world? So we went to China and we adopted our baby girl, Shiloh from China. Shiloh has hypoplastic left heart syndrome. She literally has half of a heart, but she has all of our hearts. <laughs> um, Shiloh has had three open heart surgeries. Um, and at some point, Lord willing, Shiloh will have um, a heart transplant in front of her. And in the process of adopting Shiloh and bringing Shiloh home to us, we also were in the midst of Canada allows us to sponsor um, a refugee family. So we brought a refugee family from Syria, Aleppo, Syria, and sponsored them for a full year, taking care of their housing, their food, their education, getting them integrated into our society. As I, I founded We Welcome Refugees with Vicki Reddy here from Australia, who was part of Hillsong back when there was like 100, 200 people. Um, and as we got our Syrian family integrated into Canadian society, we went back to Africa and brought our African family from um, Congo um, and Burundi. They've been in a refugee camp for 12 years. So we are in the process of getting them on their feet. And in the midst of that, um, we bought uh, an Anglican church that was abandoned on the main street of our little town in Canada, 8,000 people. It was built in um, 1896. Helen Burns, who is here and is speaking at Color next year, is on our board of directors. Um, So we've taken all the pews out and made the pews into tables because we believe when we gather around tables and break bread, Christ is recognized. So just this week, the farmer went to our bush at the back of our farm and cut down trees to make them into the chairs that will go around that table. We will start um, meals out into the community, the vulnerable and marginalized in um, this fall. We've already started Celebrate Recovery and Christine Kane has promised me when we have our first church service, she is going to be there to preach the first service. I'm counting on y'all showing up. Okay, before we get started this morning, after I've introduced everybody, I need to get something clear. Conference one, 
me with my Canadian accent, <laughs> I call my husband in all my books, 1,000 Gifts the Broken Way, the blog posts, I've always called him the farmer. But here in Australia, when I called him the farmer, <laughs> Cass texts me the next morning and says, you know they all thought you said your former husband? <laughs> no, 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 no. We are still married. Can I have pictures? <laughs> Daryl and I just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary. It was the first time two weeks ago. We, went, we left the farm, just the two of us, and went to St. Kitts. So I want proof. He is not. Every time I've talked to him since this happened last week, he says, it's just me and your former husband. And I'm like, no, no, no. We are still married 25 years. So... I want to tell you a story this morning about the beginning. 25 years ago, that bride did not know how the story was going to go. And you know what? Sometimes our stories don't turn out the way we wish they did, the way we hoped they would. So this story is for every woman in the room who's ever been kind of sometimes disappointed with the way her story has gone. Sisters, this is where it began. I had only been married four short days when my husband cut our honeymoon three days short. You can gasp. I gasped. You can see why last week they thought he was my former husband, right? It was the perfect beginning, right, to this kind of hallmark romance story that every woman wants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I closed that bathroom door of our hotel honeymoon room, and I turned the shower on loud so nobody would hear, and I cried like a baby. I wanted her mama tears mingling with the steam. Didn't my husband want me? Didn't he find me irresistible? I mean, come on. Like, I had quite a catch. Me with my Roman nose inherited by, from my farmer father. Um, me who's not winning a swimsuit contest in any realm of possibility at any point in time. Me with this bony chin who, yeah, I don't know what happens as you get older, it sprouts like half-inch hairs out of absolutely nowhere. And you do this inventory. Who did you see this past week who saw you sprouting this, like, sparse goatee, right? So, so there he is at the end of our honeymoon, and he, he's weighing it out. Pig barn bride. Pig barn bride. Yeah, yeah the man chooses the pig barn. And I know you know what I mean whether you're a new bride or whether you're a grandma, we all want to be wanted, to be found irresistible. And I'm here to confess, when you don't know if you're really wanted, you can end up wanting things, doing things, breaking things, so that you end up with a story you never wanted. Ask me how I know. 20 years after that honeymoon, at the 20-year mark, I catastrophically shattered his heart. Where I expected hard conversations and doors slammed hard, he left the front porch light on. For months he fought tears and he fought 
for a way through for us. And you know, the story still doesn't go as you planned it. We had one kid drop out of high school. Another kid dropped out of university. And then a kid dropped out of church and came to me and said, Mama, I don't know if I want to keep coming to Jesus anymore. <sighs> yeah. Just straight up. The way the story's going, I've ruined things that I can't repair. I've scarred people irrevocably. I have fought self-harming daily. And I have just about died by self-loathing repeatedly. And I'm here to tell you, you can be halfway through your story or just about anywhere in your story and not really be sure about what the way through is anymore because you don't really like the way you sometimes are in the middle of that story. And it was exactly this time of year, about a year or two ago, the beginning of Lent, I started fasting and praying and begging God to show me, to show me that he makes a way for the prodigals. He makes a way for the ones who kind of feel like they've lost their way. And after weeks of fasting and praying, I found myself literally lost. <laughs> Driving a rental car on the back roads of some back road in Tennessee, thousands of miles from our home farm, trying to find my way to a women's gathering. When miraculously my phone connects via Bluetooth to the speakers in the car. I mean, when does it happen in your own car when you're trying to get it to connect and it doesn't work? But here I'm in a rental car that I've never been in my entire life and my phone connects to the speakers and this devotional that I've been trying all day as I was traveling to get it to download, but between data and traveling and service, it hadn't downloaded. And all of a sudden it miraculously downloads and is playing full blast through the speakers in the car and I haven't connected anything or hit play or nothing. It was John 14.1, and maybe it's a word for you this morning. Bobby opened it with yesterday, actually, last night. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you may also be where I am. You know the way. I'm thinking, well, actually, I don't know the way. I'm actually lost in Tennessee. And I pull over to the side of the road, and I do this U-turn as I'm coming back onto the road. It's coming through the speakers still. The scripture from this audio devotional, verses from John. Thomas said to him, how can we know the way? And I'm like, yeah, that. <laughs> I've been praying and fasting. And I don't know the way through right now, Lord. In the midst of heartbreaking stories and chaos and crazy, can you just somehow, Lord, show me a sign, a very clear sign that you will make the way. And the prayer isn't even a complete thought in my mind when I come around this bend in the road and I see a literal sign on the side of the road, billboard that says, Jesus is the way maker. And that exact very instant coming through the speakers of the rental car and I haven't connected anything are the verses, Jesus answered, I am the way, 
the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I'm thinking, what? I'm thousands of miles away from the farm. I'm lost in Tennessee somewhere. God answers a prayer that I have been fasting for days for. Jesus is the way maker. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I don't know what impossible you walked in here facing this morning. I don't know what you've been asking God for a sign for in the middle of your story that hasn't always gone the way you wanted it to. But I flew around the world to give you a sign this morning. Jesus is your way maker. You have your sign. And Jesus, Jesus didn't come just to make a possible way for you, a maybe way for you. Jesus came to say that he will be the way, the truth, the life in the middle of a crazy world right now, folks. The second I saw that sign, I pulled over to the side of the road and I bawled. I bawled like a baby who realizes that her father sees her and wants her, my heart mingling with his. Even though I have been the prodigal daughter who has turned to her Abba father and said, Father, I've wanted the story to go the way I hoped for my kids, for my family, my people, my health, my hopes, my dreams. I've been the prodigal daughter who said to her father, Father, you know, I, I don't know if you're so, I say you're good, but are you good really at being God? I, I kind of I want you dead so that I think I, I can do God better than the way you're writing the story, Lord. And maybe, maybe I just want the inheritance that's coming my way because you know what? I don't know sometimes if I really trust your ways, Lord. Your, your ways are sometimes so much higher than our ways, Lord, so high that it seems like maybe, maybe you're kind of stoned. <laughs> Honestly. But the text says, the text says, the father divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, took a journey into a far-off country, and there he squandered his property in reckless living. Exact word is wasteful. Now Charles Dickens said that this parable of the prodigal is the best story that's ever been written. And J.C. Ryle, the theologian, said that there's probably no chapter in the whole of the Bible that has done greater good for the souls of men. And I'm believing it's going to do great good in the souls of women this morning. Amen? Because, because all of us find ourselves in this parable. We are the wayward who have run away from our past, maybe, run away from rejection, or run away from fear and worry about the future, looking for love in all the wrong places, wanting to come sometimes be God ourselves, resisting the way God is writing our story. We keep saying, God, make a way. Sometimes what I've said is, God, make my way. We keep saying, God, make a way, instead of saying, God, be my way. We keep saying, God, make a way, and God keeps saying, just stay in me and in my way. You know, right now it's a chaotic world out there. 
God, though, God made the world out of chaos. And he can easily make a way of hope through any chaos currently in this world, sisters. And in the midst of all of the headlines that's happening right now, in the midst of our own concerns and worries, if you cannot find your way to joy, all you have to do is do a U-turn and turn around and trust God. We only get to be in this crazy world right now, we only get to be at perfect peace when we say God is perfect at being God. Augustine of Hippo coined the term in Latin about who we all are as human beings, and I'm sorry, we taught the kids Latin in homeschool, but I'm gonna butcher this word, so I apologize all you Latin teachers out there. But, but Augustine said that man, homo, he says, we are all homo in se, which means every single human being is turned and curved towards himself. Augustine saw a sin as a turn. Man turns away from love of God to love of self. And instead of living into an irresistible God love story, that is what I've had. I've had incurvitis. I've been curved and turned towards the story I wanted, the kids I wanted, the marriage I wanted, the life and dreams and hopes that I wanted. And I'm telling you, when your roads curved towards you, you never arrive where you want to be. And can I just confess that I've been a whole lot like the prodigal. The text said he, when he had spent everything, a famine arose in the country, and he began to be in need. And he went out and he hired himself to one of the citizens of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. This pig farmer's wife knows what that's all about, metaphorically and literally. And there no one gave him anything. Verse 17, but when he came to himself, when he returned to himself. You see, the text doesn't say the prodigal returned and repented to God. It says that the, it returns to, to himself, to the way that makes the most sense to him. And I can testify, every time I have returned to myself, instead of turning to God, things did not turn out well. The prodigal said, well, wait, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And, and here I am starving to death. You know what? The prodigal is not repentant or sad about their actions. The prodigal is not thinking about the heart of the father. The prodigal wanted dinner, not daddy. And you know you're a prodigal when you want comfort for your cravings instead of craving the comfort of your father. How often have we been hungry for fulfillment, but not hungry for our Abba? How often have we wanted a way that's been comfortable for us, but it's not a way towards communion with him? How often have we been more heartbroken about how our dreams have been broken than how we've broken our Father's heart. Lutheran theologian Eberhard Jungle, and I probably butchered his name too, I'm so sorry. He had a profoundly biblical point about what a sinner is. He said, quote, a sinner is one without relations. 
without relations, when it's all turned inward, incurvitis. A sinner is a person who is resisting the irresistible love story and relationship with the triune God. Sin isn't just about breaking laws. It's about breaking hearts. Sin isn't just about breaking commandments. It's about breaking communion. It's about breaking relationships. Sin is turning from other faces and turning from our Savior's face and turning towards our own face. Sin is the ultimate selfie. Sin inward, you turn inward, you will go wayward. Turn inward and nothing will turn out as you hope because we weren't made to turn inward. We were made to turn and reach outward. You see, shaped and formed like a cross. Outward, reaching out to God and people. We are made for the irresistible love story of the triune relationship with Savior, Spirit, Maker. The very meaning of our being is in communion. So no matter how your story may not be what you want, the purpose of your story, of every single day, is to get up and say, today I'm going to write a good story with my life that gives glory to the Word Himself. And the way we do that, the only way to do that is not incurvitis, is not to turn inward. The only way to do that is to live the way love Himself lived, formed and shaped like a cross, not turning inward, not turning bitter, not turning angry, not turning fearful, but reaching outward towards God and man, thanksgiving and forgiving and caregiving, cruciform in all things, because this is the way through always, because this is Jesus' way. And these are kind of kind of crazy, scary times. We can all feel a little lost. And, and the world can tell us, now's the time to do incurvitis. Now's the time to turn inward because there's a spirit of fear kind of sweeping the globe right now. And when sort of like the enemy of our souls wants us all to be struck down with a case of incurvitis, to turn inward, to not live cruciform and reach out and care for our neighbors, to live cruciform. But this is what the church is about. We get to do this right now. We look back in, in history, when the pandemic came to Rome, Emperor Julian wrote that Christians took better care of Rome's poor and infirm than Rome did. Reaching out, caring, living cruciform right now is what can transform the world right now. Candida Moss, a professor of New Testament and early Christianity at Notre Dame, she said of historical pandemics, quote, epidemics that seemed like the end of the world actually promoted the spread of Christianity, <laughs> right? When fear spreads, the calming fragrance of Christ can spread over the earth. In the face of pandemics, we can turn towards others that they can see the face of Christ. When an endemic is spreading is exactly where the hope of the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ can spread around the globe. All right, sisters, are you in? Yes!
because all spiritual formation, all life transformation, and right now all global transformation happens when we choose to live cruciformation. But at the height of my own incurvitis, when I was turned towards self, I was like the prodigal who said, I will, I will go, I will sell out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I, I'm no longer worthy to be called a son. Make me like one of your hired servants. Now, the only other time in all of Scripture those words are spoken, I have sinned against heaven and against you, is when Pharaoh is manipulating Moses to get his own way. You see, you see what's happening there? The prodigal is not repenting. He is still trying to figure out how to twist his father's arm to do things his own way. You know, sometimes we can be merely playing at doing things God's way and still actually expecting God to do things our way. Because that prodigal in the muck and the mire of the pig pen knew the Jewish tradition called the kazaza ceremony that cuts off any Jew that has lost the inheritance to another non-Jew, which is exactly what the prodigal has done. So the prodigal knows the only way he thinks to avoid the community cutting him off in that kazaza ceremony, which is this, where they put all these burnt corn cobs and nuts into an earthenware jar and smash it at the foot of the offender to, to show you are cut off from community forever. He thinks he has to go back then and say, make me a servant. I'll, I'll earn back every single cent of the inheritance that I've lost. He's come up with his own way to work it all out. He thinks he knows the best way. How many times have I thought the same thing? The text doesn't say that the prodigal returned to the father in repentance. The text says the prodigal makes his way back to the father, his way. You can look like you're going God's way while your heart is still going its own way. You can say you want God's way and you want your own ways more. But our way-making father, he is always out on the porch, neck craning, waiting, searching, looking, heart splitting with love for all the lost and the wayward. Because he finds you irresistible, even when you're resisting him and the way he's writing your story. Our way-making father, he flies off that porch defying the shame of, of lifting up his robes as the patriarch and letting his legs be seen bare. And he runs across the village, takes all the shame and humiliation. Our God runs because he finds you irresistible. And God is a way maker who makes a way to get to his child first, to get to his child before the community can cut off his child forever. Because you and your prodigals are so irresistible. I mean, Jesus is the only one who has ever loved you to death and back to the realist life. And you may be the prodigal daughter who thinks she knows the best way to take it all into her own hands, 
But the Waymaker Father has a plan to take all the shame, all the problems, all the things in the way and say, it is finished, and to take you into his arms. You may be the prodigal daughter who has struggled with self-loathing and self-turning, self-focus. But you, you have a way-making father who does not rain down wrath on you, but runs like a mother towards you to shower you with kisses. You have a way-making father who is making a way not just making a way out, do you track with me? He's making a way to you. He's making a way to you. We want the way maker to make a way to what we dream of. But you see, our way making father makes a way to us because he dreams of being with you. The way maker isn't just making a way of exodus, he's making a way so you can live in the heart of Jesus. We, we want, I want, the Waymaker to make a way to what I want. And the Waymaker is getting to you so that you feel wanted. That you are found in Him, His irresistible one. Because honestly, no matter the way you want things to go, whatever way you've wanted things to be, when you're with God, right where you are right now in the middle of your story, is there anywhere else you need to be? Is there anywhere else you want to be? Moment by moment by moment, right where you are in your story, Jesus is enough. This, this is the greatest love story of all time. Our way-making Father makes a way to us so that we can be found in His irresistible heart. You know, when we think about the prodigal son, I want you to have a total paradigm shift when you walk out of here of what repentance is. Repentance is not you doing half the work to wake your, work your way halfway back to God. Because if you look at Luke 15, it's talking about the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. And it says, it says the one who is dead is now alive. Dead people can't find their way back. Lost sheep can't find their way back to the fold. That lost coin couldn't find its way back to the purse. I'm just going to do a random sidebar here. In Luke 15, we say that God, he's the good shepherd, right? Leaves the 99 to go after the one. And then we say, you know what? God is like that prodigal father. Jesus is like that prodigal father who runs for the lost son. But in the middle, do not forget who looks for the lost coin? The good woman. God compares himself to a good woman. Don't ever doubt how your father values you as his daughter. In a time when no one would associate with themselves with a woman, God says, I am like the good woman. And the point is, that which is lost cannot do anything in and of itself to be found. Repentance is accepting Him finding you right where you are. Repentance is not resisting God, just not resisting Him finding you. 
Don't resist him with distractions or with pride or with worry or fear or doubt or screens or with cheap comfort and wasteful living or with any other greater love than him. Repentance is simply accepting being found in his irresistible love. My spiritual director keeps telling me, Anne, this is what a life of faith is. Accept him coming for you. Stop resisting the one who is irresistible. Because that prodigal on the edge of town coming back, that prodigal was still lost, still wanting his own way, was still negotiating his own way until the waymaker father runs the whole way and embraces him with kisses. And then being kissed and embraced, found in the irresistible, he can't resist God's irresistible love. That's exactly what happened to me as I picked up a pen and wrote down my thanks for 1,000 gifts, overwhelmed by the way the Father loved me. That's what happened when I was a prodigal there on the road. And I asked God for a sign that he's the way maker. And when I see the sign, it's coming through the speakers, I am the way. I felt like God himself had come and embraced me, kissed me on the neck with grace upon grace. And what other response can you have but to give way and yield and surrender everything to the waymaker? The wayward turn inward and lose their way. But the wayfinders, the wayfinders are the ones who give way, who yield, surrender, give up all their ways and surrender to the loving ways of their waymaker. See, the waymaker does not guide those who want to write their life story their own way. He guides those who yield and completely give way to his ways. Surrender yourself to the waymaker. And I know how hard this is because I'm in the middle of a story right now that I'm finding really hard. But surrender to the waymaker and not the way you want things to go. If you want God, to make a way, give him all of your ways. Wayfinders who find the way are the ones who yield, who give way to the waymaker himself and say, whatever God wants, whenever God wants, however God wants. Can we say it all together? Say it with me, sisters. Whatever God wants, Whenever God wants, however God wants. That's right, because our greatest act is not our act of forging a way forward. Our greatest act is our way of surrender, that we move now towards God in whatever his way is in the situation. You don't have to know the way or find the way or understand the way. Simply surrender to falling in love with the way himself. And you know what? It's not, it's not hard to surrender to the one you're madly in love with. When you're in love with someone, you can't think of anything better than giving yourself to them. And everything starts to fall into place in our lives when do we fall into love with him and his irresistible heart. 
to surrender yourself to Jesus the way he surrendered his heart to you, fully, without qualification, calculation, or reservation. No matter where you are in your story, if you can do that, much suffering ends where surrendering begins. All you have to do is embrace him back. Psalms 2 in the message says, worship him in enduring embrace. Celebrate in trembling awe. Kiss Messiah. The whole life of faith is one of attending to and responding to his initiating love. No matter what your story is this morning, no matter, no matter what you're worried about or fearful about, or no matter what you're wishing so desperately would change, all you have to do is embrace him back because you know this truth about your life. I wrote it how many times in 1,000 gifts. Write it down and stick it above your sink so you can remember, no matter what is happening in your story, God is always so good. And you are always so, so, so loved. And we, we can surrender everything to him. Matthew 10, 39 in the message reads, All who seek to live apart from him will lose it all. But those who let go of their lives and surrender their lives to me, to surrender it all to me, will find true life. That's what makes you a wayfinder, is when you surrender it all, then you will find true life. And then what happens in our story? When the wayfinders surrender everything to the waymaker, what does the prodigal father do? What does the waymaking father do? He lavishly gives us a ring, a robe, sandals, feast, a celebration of love, redemption and restoration and relationship. He welcomes us to the party, sisters. He has made a way. And that's the end of the, the parable, right? Wrong. <laughs> because there's another prodigal, another wayward prodigal in the story. The older brother, who was so jealous about the way his brother's story was going, and thought his father was yet again not being God very well, not being father very well. How many times do we think, do we think that we could be a greater God than our great God is? And that, that's what the older prodigal is doing. He refuses to go into the celebration and complain that he had never even got a goat to feast on and here his brother gets a fattened calf. He likes goat meat. But honestly, there is no difference between the younger wayward prodigal and the older prodigal, holier than thou. The younger wayward prodigal and the unrighteous muck and the mire of the pig pen, he starved for anything. And the holier, righteous than thou upon his high horse prodigal, he's starving for more. Both are wayward prodigals craving for their story to go their own way, craving to be kind of God in their own way because they think they know a better way to be God than God himself. And neither one of them have any real appetite for God himself who is irresistible. How many times has that been me in the story? This week while I've been here, 
my farmer, my current husband, <laughs> back home on the farm, he texted me, and I quote, and I confess I've been thinking, I've been a lot like the older wayward prodigal, thinking I was spiritually rich, while actually being even more poor than the younger wayward prodigal, because of my lack of humbly admitting my desperate need for God and having an appetite for the Spirit to fill me daily. Good, good farming man, <laughs> hungering for his father. And what does our waymaking father do in the middle of that celebration? He does it again. He takes all the shame and the humiliation in front of all of the guests, and he gets up and makes a way outside to the prodigal. Always the waymaker who goes the whole long way to us. And he says, son, you are always with me. All that is mine is yours. It is fitting to be glad, for this your brother was dead and now alive. He was lost and is found. And the curtain falls right there in the parable. It's sort of a cliffhanger. What does the older wayward prodigal do? Spoiler alert, we get to finish the parable. You and I, will we be the ones who write the ending of the story? The ones who are wayfinders and say, we give way to letting you be good at being God. Will we be the ones who are found in the irresistible? See, the waymaker makes a way to us because he finds us irresistible. And now, now will we crave him, hunger for him, have an appetite for him, fall in love with him because we find him more irresistible than anything else this world has to offer. I gotta tell you, after I saw that literal sign at the beginning of Lent, after I've been praying and fasting and begging God to make a sign that he's the way maker, verse comes through the speakers, I am the way. Things went the way they come sometimes do. They went from cloudy with a chance of showers to a torrential hurricane with a definite tsunami that swamped us. So we had like several medical emergencies. Our 17-year-old son, he has type 1 diabetes and he ended up in a hypoglycemic low in the ER and we were fighting for his life. And little Shiloh, we were facing her third open heart surgery, not knowing at all how things were going to go. And then there were a, a string of failures that just seemed to overwhelm me. And honestly, I just felt like I was in the bottom of a pit. Just a pit of despair. And it was so dark. And I felt so desperate. I found myself like Gideon, <laughs> laying out a second fleece, a double fleece. And I have never, ever, ever done that before. And I just begged God for another clear and obvious sign that he was going to make a way by the end of Easter season. By Pentecost Sunday, could he make it very clear that he would make a way for us in the midst of everything. And when I got to Pentecost Sunday, the last day of the Easter season, I found myself thousands and thousands and thousands of kilometers away from home across the pond in France gathered with missionary women from all around the globe. And I had a translator who was translating me into French. The worship music was in French. Everything was happening in French. 
So I, can, I don't know about you, but I didn't know what the word waymaker in French was. So I, I wasn't holding out much hope for this the last day of the Easter season, Pentecost Sunday. And a woman comes up to me as we're worshiping, and she says with his heavy French accent, she said she had a vision of me the night before being pulled from a miry pit of failure. My eyes started to well up, and I nodded. We moved to the next French song of worship, and another woman leaned forward from behind me and said she had she had drawn something she wanted to give me, and she whispered to me that she had, she had a dream the night before, and she drew a picture of the dream, and I looked down at the picture, and it's a picture of a woman in the bottom of a pit. And the pit is made out of words like fear and worry and doubt and failure. And there's this hand reaching down into the pit to pull this woman out. And the top of the page, she had written this verse. I have this now over my writing desk at home on the farm. The verse that she had written at the top of this sketch of the dream she had drawn was from Psalms 41. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned and he heard my cry. Just like Bobby said last night, the irresistible nature of God hears our cry. Right now where you're sitting, God hears your cry. Verse 2, he lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. This is God's word for you this morning. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in Him. The way maker makes a way out and makes a way as he pulls you out into his irresistible heart. And as I'm standing there looking at this piece of paper with Psalms 41, 1 to 3 on the top of the page, the French-speaking worship leader randomly pauses right in the middle of her French worship song. And she opens up her Bible and she starts to read in English these words. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit and out of the mud and the mire. The exact same verse is happening on a French platform as I have there on my piece of paper. And then, as they fall back in to singing the next stanza in French, I'm thinking about how the waymaker turns to us and he hears our cry and he lifts us out of the muck so we can be in his irresistible arms. And my throat's burning and I'm coming undone. And as we go in to sing that next stanza in French, one of the French women on the platform from South Africa she says in English, over everyone else singing in French on Pentecost Sunday, our God is a miracle maker and our God is a way maker. And that's a word for you this morning. No matter the pit of hopelessness, the pit of impossible, the pit of despair that you might find yourself in, you have a waymaker who makes his way to you and pulls you out of the despair that you're in and into a love story for all eternity. No matter 
how you feel like you've lost your way or your story or the way you want it, the Waymaker himself has not lost you. All who wander are not lost. They haven't lost their hope, their courage, their grit, their God. The Waymaker is making a way this morning. He's making a way to you. And when the Waymaker makes his way to you, moves into you, no matter what is happening on your way, no matter what is in your way, you have already arrived. You are already home in him, sisters. And all the wayfinders can keep telling themselves, when you hear that voice that keeps saying that you aren't keeping up with everyone else, you just whisper back to it, I'm going a different way. I am walking with the Waymaker. Find me in Him, in His irresistible heart. Because, because, sisters, there is only one way, one way that Jesus will not make. The Waymaker who died for us, Scripture said, who was raised for us, is in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? There is no way. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our Master, has embraced us. Romans 8, thus saith the word of the Lord. There is no way the Waymaker will let the thing that went down that makes you want to kind of throw up be a roadblock. Not the skeleton in your closet that makes you feel shame in your bones. Not the 1% in your life that you don't want 100% people to never know. Not the prodigal in your life. Not the prodigal in your heart. Not any headline on any screen or any newspaper right now can get in the way of you being in the Waymaker's irresistible arms, fully known, fully claimed, fully loved, and fully safe. And all the Waymakers, Wayfinders, said to their Waymaking God, Amen. Thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. I hope you have found it encouraging and uplifting and helpful. Don't forget, you can subscribe on iTunes to make sure you get all of the latest episodes as soon as they're released. And if you have time, I'd love to hear from you. Write to me in the review or comments section. I look forward to being with you again next time.